It's episode 48 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Ed Farger. <laughs> I just fell off my chair. <laughs> and for the first time in 48 episodes, I regret the fact that we're an audio only medium. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I did that. Because Ed is so uh, method in his approach that even though it's audio, so the audience can't see it, he's still going to fall over backwards from his chair. And also. The quietest falling over chair you've ever heard in my life. It's like a feather hitting a cushion. Well, this, uh, Judith did say that we could have the quietest room in the nursery, <laughs> but I hadn't thought she meant the carpeted floor for when you fall off the chair. <gasps> oh, wow. I'm so overexcited to be here. Thank no, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited as well. I'm just able to stay. <laughs> but no, that's that's no criticism. That's uh, yeah. yeah I'm just I, I worry where we're going to go after that. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> Although I can just see the end of the, end of the episode. We've won! <laughs> and after, after gently mocking it for that, I very nearly <laughs> did the same then. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, right, okay. I was hoping, I was hoping with somebody so experienced in making podcasts that this would be a much slicker, <laughs> a much slicker than average. Uh, <laughs> Instead, it's just, a, a, just an, an echelon more chaotic, <laughs> right from the off. Boy, boy. Right, <laughs> that's off our game. <sighs> Focus. Tip of the tongue, teeth and lips. What shall we talk about first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever you reckon. Shall uh, we talk about this thing I've heard called Giggle Loop? Yes, yes. Let's. Uh, Giggle Loop is the improv group that I am uh, a part of. Um, and is uh, I, I was part of this group right when I first started doing improv. It was uh, it was it's an absolute joy to be a part of. And uh, yeah. did you form following a hoopla course? We did. Yes. Well, we were in the midst of doing a hoopla course. We were doing. We were halfway through. I, I forget what the intermediate course was at the time. It was. It's. I think it was just scenes or something, or scene, from scenes to stage. Oh yes. And we took because of the time that it happened, we took a. A break in the middle of it. Half of the course was pre-Christmas. Half of the course was after Christmas, and just after the first class back, Ellie and Natasha got in touch with me to see whether I might be interested in producing some YouTube sketches with them. Ah. Um, because at that time they thought they they wanted to do, uh, or to be fair, we still want to do uh, a YouTube channel, and um, and I my background at the time was in uh, the film business. So they got in touch with me to kind of talk it through and talk about how to do it and that sort of thing. So we had we ended up meeting once a week where we were just writing and writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And as these things go, sometimes we they're, they're in a constant state of rewriting. Like we never got around to producing them. But we just but we thought that improv we enjoyed improvising together so much. Um, and we kind of thought the improv was kind of like a sketch engine. Right. Uh, so we thought um, we thought we would uh, we would do some more improv and then. Through complete, <laughs> through complete luck and uh, accident, actually, we ended up hosting our own night because we got in touch. We we went to like a hoopla. Uh, we went to a hoopla uh, networking event. That's the word I'm looking for. And um, Mike Walston. 
got in touch with us after we'd gone up on stage and said, yeah, we're, we're Giggaloo, we want, to do a, we want to do more improv, we're brand spanking new. And um, Mike Walston got in touch with us saying that he had booked the Miller for a night and asked if we would like half of the night. Right. And we thought, great, this sounds fantastic. And then, unfortunately, uh, the group that he was trying to form couldn't make it that night. So we ended up with the night entirely to ourselves. <laughs> um, and it was uh, incredibly fun to do. So we just kept it up, and then we just kept it going once a month ever since. So, um, so yeah, that's, and then that was, that's Giggle Loop's formation, really. It was uh, surprisingly, um, <laughs> surprisingly sort of sorted itself out in a way. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, what are the... What are the challenges of having a monthly night? I think it's just to kind of keep interest up because on the one because particularly when we first started, it felt like there weren't as many nights there wasn't such a variety of nights that there are now. Maybe especially that was on just, a Wednesday. Especially on Wednesdays. My God, what happened to Wednesdays? I know, it's amazing, um, isn't it? <laughs> well, actually, our first nights were on Thursdays, and even then, Thursdays weren't all that popular. And Grand Theft Impro was happening on a Thursday at the Wheat Sheaf. And we kind of thought, well, we're not going to be attracting the audience that want to go and see premium improv like that. So actually, if we can attract people that are just looking to workshop their ideas a bit more right. and let it be a bit more of a sort of launchpad type of a night, right. um, then we're, we're hitting a different audience and we're complementing the stuff that's already on the scene for a Thursday night. So it's sort of an essentials improv rather than... Uh Finest. Yeah, kind of, if you like. Uh, Sainsbury's brand. Yeah. <laughs> Taste the difference. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and then I just did add, we just continued. The, the challenge, I guess, still, is just to have a nice balance between uh, people that audiences recognise and people that uh, are less recognised but have you know, something, something to, 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 to work on, something to build from. Because you know, we love to have a new group and be like, oh my God, these guys are great. Mm. Um, and uh, like for instance, we had uh, Running Amok on, uh, on the Gig Loop show recently, which are the uh, King's College um, improv group. And we knew, the guy, that, the guy that runs it is a guy called uh, Andrew Marks, who I'm part of Story Kitchen with. So I knew him, and Natasha knew him, and he sent us a, a he sent us an email out saying, you know, we're looking for somewhere to practice our, our set before we go to Edinburgh, and it it was just they were fantastic, they were brilliant, and I loved that. I love it was the same thing when the when the when we first had the pina colliders on, and just like, oh, these guys are great. Let's just <laughs> book them and book them. So and but yeah, and then and the real challenge is just getting getting audiences regularly, and and yeah. to do that, you've just got to. I feel like if you're if you're trying to tackle particularly an audience that are improvisers. Uh, it helps if you are generous with other people's nights. So you mm. go and you t- take part in the scene generally. Yes. You support other people. You take part. Oh God, I just burped on this podcast. This is embarrassing. No, that's all right. I've edited the burp out. Yay! But Off I'll, the chair. <laughs> I will keep it in my secret voice. <laughs> Things that I like to listen to when it's just me. <laughs> the blackmail vault but that's that, to be honest that's the first thing I put in the vault <laughs> no one else has ever given me anything to put in the vault yet. oh shit okay fuck okay <laughs> do you burp on your own podcast I do but I've got an editor so it just uh, goes right out fair enough um, I was, I was going to say that's, that's quite disrespectful <laughs> I thought you would be more respectful than this I'm, you know. oh, no, no, I'm sorry I'm letting, letting the side down totally and no, I'm, I'm so sorry I think we'll just try and power through but I think you know. yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me here today. I've called this press conference just to announce 
yes, I did burp on the Improv London podcast. I have to take responsibility for it. I want you to understand the time, the difficult time this is for me and my family, and I hope you will respect our privacy. Thank you very much. I mean, the weird thing is I didn't actually hear your burp, so if you just powered on. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I'll just leave a nice pause for an edit point. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now it sounds like we're laughing. Nobody knows why we're laughing. That's just weird to sit here and laugh to it. Um, well, no, I can't even remember what I was saying. That completely threw me. Um, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. So, to continue trying to get a trying to get a different uh, a new audience each time. Trying yes. to get consistent numbers, yes. and also trying to sort of do right by, um, and also like letting it be a platform for us to try new things as well. Mm. Um, and for us to, to kind of grow, because when we were when we were starting early on, like I say, there were there were a few there were a few nights, but now it feels like there's so much more. Mm. At the time, it felt like this was our this was our way of guaranteeing at least one gig and one gig a month, even if it was just a five people. Um, and um, and yeah, and and now I'm it's absolutely don't get me wrong, it's totally it's totally thrilling to uh, to see how the scene is completely. It's, it's completely blossoming, and there are so many different nights from all over parts of London. But like, for, but it's uh, it it increases the challenge as well because the um, because like for instance, the last Giggle Loop show we had on the at the end of September, the last Wednesday of September, we were one of five shows on that night, not including Comedy Bang Bang, uh, <laughs> which was also in town. Um, and I don't, and that was fantastic, and it's it's so great that there's so much so much uh, so much improv going on. But are there more people wanting to perform it than there are people wanting to watch it? That's the question. Have we grown the amount of groups and the amount of performers, but has the audience grown at the same rate? I reckon it'll be the ebb and flow of supply and demand. So right yeah. now we are supplying, 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 yeah. and sooner or later either the supply is going to drop or the demand will, will rise. Right. Uh, yes. Or at least that's my hope. That's a um, good hope. <laughs> so where, where does your uh, monthly night take place? It takes place at the Wheat Chief, in, right. uh, in the aforementioned Wheat Chief. Um, we're... <laughs> Uh, we try not to. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to say. Um, no, what were we going to say? I was going to say that uh, at times I feel like, oh my god, my phone's going off. This is I'm, I'm the worst interview ever. I'll tell you what. Um, it's gonna... only because I had such high hopes that I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Most people they act like this, and I was just well, I just expect it really. But I thought Ed, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's a guy with like three podcasts of his own. He's not yeah. walk. And th- tr- truth be told, I've <laughs> I've got so many bags on me right now because I'm about to go on. That's gone on a brief sort of two-day holiday. I'm literally going from here to a rental car and driving out to the countryside. Wow. Uh, so, um, hence my... And as a result, I had a huge amount of food immediately before leaving the house, hence the burping. Um, Are you staying in a country manor house? No, yes, of course. A huge <laughs> country estate, my own butler, several uh, several wolfhounds uh, in front that was, of a fireplace. That was one of my favourite strands of the Giggle Loop podcast. <laughs> you listen to the Giggle Loop podcast? Of course I do. Oh, man, brilliant. Um, and yes, it was this whole fantasy universe. Well, I presumed it was a fantasy universe in which you had all these <laughs> things that you just mentioned. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just real and I presumed it was fantasy. <laughs> Um, so I enjoyed that very strand very much and I just also enjoyed I mean the games were fine they were great but I also just enjoyed it when you just talked about what you've been doing <laughs> I just thought do you know what I'm just really enjoying hearing about uh, Natasha being proposed to in Edinburgh and all this sort of stuff I don't even know these people but I'm just <laughs> oh no uh, yeah no it's, it's unfortunately the, the Alfred does not exist sadly oh. to, to break the spell oh, and yeah my holidays is in a small Airbnb it's not in uh, some sort of grand, <laughs> grand manor house 
Oh, well, you wouldn't want to go on holiday there because you live there the rest of the year. That's true. <laughs> that would be like a busman's holiday if Don't you know. knew what a busman was. <laughs> I'm not normally this rude to guests. That's all right, dude. <laughs> I can take it. I've had brothers. You, you should want to hear some he'll get, stuff. He'll get his, uh, his um, Batman to uh, beat me up later on. Um, yeah, yeah, my Batman is standing outside with a, with a polished cricket bat. <laughs> He's holding. He's also holding a croquet mallet. <laughs> so then we'll have a game of croquet afterwards. What does it hold it against, gentlemen? When one has a third of no, Exactly. If one's been out of line, it's the least one deserves. <laughs> exactly. The least you can do is offer him tea and croquet. <laughs> so you've got the monthly night. Yes. But there's also this new thing called Giggle Loop Main Event. Yes. What's that? <laughs> this is something we're super excited about. Basically. Um, we're we're stuck. We're gonna have a Saturday night uh, show at the Miller um, with in association with Hoopla as of uh, Saturday the fifteenth of October, and um, it's very exciting for us just because uh, with just being at being at the Miller, which is obviously a, a hub for all things fun, and uh, and having the help of Steve and Hoopla in, in doing things like. Maybe you know having a new pool of acts that regularly attend the Miller that can that can join our show and um, and we can have, there's there's just a huge avenue for fun there so uh, we're really looking forward to um, to launching that and also it's given me the opportunity to muck about on Photoshop to my heart's content making yeah. flyers and posters which is uh, something I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very useful if you have somebody with those sort of graphic design. Uh, qualities, um, abilities in a with an improv group, and that that falls to you, does it? At the, at the minute, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not. My background isn't in graphic design. I'm not even that good at it. I would argue. Fortunately, uh, fortunately, we had Connor Jatta. Uh, Connor Jatta very kindly uh, made our original logo, um, which was the the pink neon on on black, um, and he found this font that just worked really nicely for what we wanted. Um, and he sort of told us, told us where we could buy it, basically. So um, and so now all of our all of our logos and all of our branding is, is are permutations upon Connor's original design. Um, but yeah, but I mainly I mainly just cut and paste them in different in different patterns on Photoshop according to to what Connor did originally. Um, that and some some terrific photos by a friend of mine called Charlie Bard. Um, so we we basically we've got a small suite of of of, of promotional materials that we can muck about with to make fun things like that. Brilliant. Yeah. And will Giggle Loop be performing at the Giggle Loop main event? And oh. if so, at what point? Uh-huh. This is a good question. I think, well, basically, we've, we, would, we are going to be performing because it, we're just itching to perform at the Miller <laughs> again. We love performing at the Miller. Um, but we'll probably be performing, like, I guess... First, I mean, we've. I think first half because we're basically we're gonna we're gonna have the first night that we've got. Our lineup is uh, Mad Monkey Improv, uh, which is a group from Reading who is meant to be very good. Um, we've got the Maydays, of course, the wonderful Maydays, uh, giggly performing, and we're we're doing a fun thing where we're asking individual improvisers for each show to build a supergroup of just improvisers they get on with. Right. So a sort of one night only sort of supergroup. Cool. Uh, so we've got um, 
for this first one, we've got Dan Atfield creating a supergroup for us. And we, we don't know what the group is going to look like or whatever, but it's going to be super fun anyway. It might include people from the previous acts in the night. I don't think it's going to include any of Giggly just because we've got enough on our, <laughs> enough on our plates admin-wise. I mean, obviously, you three would be his first three choices. <laughs> which, uh, I'm sorry, Dan, I have to, you know, we've got stuff to do. We've got, you know, there's... Oh, there's, there's, you know, admin and tickets admin and, and stuff. And to be fair, if one of us did join a supergroup, I think we'd be the most heady people on stage as well. Between <laughs> us uh, running the night. It'd be the first night as well, being so sort of like that foot in, that new endeavour thing of just like, oh, I feel kind of sick with anxiety, but yes. I'm also really excited and just like, God, anyway. Um, yeah, no, we're very excited about doing Giggly main event and I just hope we can get people uh, to come to it because it's going to be super fun. Fantastic. So when you're performing as Giggle Loop, yeah. the three the three of you have distinct personalities. Yeah. What do you bring to the group? What a, what what what's a classic Ed move? Afterwards they go, Ed, you did that thing that you do that we love. You did that thing, we love it. Well, I don't know if it would be a thing that I do that they love, but one thing I know that I often do is I, I like to initiate in a very organic way. Right. So I've been known to just go on stage and just do an action. And when I do it badly, you can see them off stage looking at me going, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> and there did, there did come a point where they did actively ask me to stop chopping vegetables <laughs> because I had, we had done that scene so many times. It's just sort of like, they're having to come get really imaginative with new, new ways of doing it. But I think, yeah, I think my, I think my inclination is to is to initiate in a very organic, very real way. What I'd bring to it, I guess, I mean, there was back, in, back when we first got a coach, Mike Hutchison very kindly was, uh, is our coach, um, when we can get him. We're, the, the four of us are so busy now, it's quite difficult to get us all in the room um, at, the, at the same time. But um, Mike, when Mike first saw us, he came up to us and just went, oh, this is great, you are each a robot, a ninja, and a pirate. Oh. And at first we were like, oh, wow, we've got our roles. And then as time went on, we were just like, oh, but we can be other roles if, if we want to be, right? So who's who? Um, well, originally, Mike designated uh, Ellie as the pirate. Right. Uh, Natasha as the robot. And I was the ninja. Okay, can we, for those that, obviously I know. Yeah. Obviously I know. <coughs> but for that, anyone listening. This theory was one uh, proposed by... Billy Merritt, the idea being that we all have, uh, well, when Mike said it, he meant it this way, which was, um, we all have, th there are three possible tendencies for an improviser. Um, a pirate is an impulsive um, improviser that goes into a scene and gets the laughs and is basically, um, is, is super is super energetic and 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 super well I was about to use the the, the adjective piratey uh, <laughs> so not necessarily playing a pirate no 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 but sort but of quite the often kind they do often sort of you know <laughs> kicking the door down with a crazy character and being like ha ha laughs um, and a robot a robot is uh, is an improviser that is largely characterised uh, through logic or grounding a scene of reality. Uh, also called a straight man, uh, which is not to say they're not funny. It's just that they're bringing an important sense of context yes. to uh, to uh, the crazy character, the pirate or the the funny man. Um, and the ninja, uh, what Mike meant by that was that I was largely uh, worried about plot and progressing the scene and so the way that the ninja would do that is that they would come along progress the scene and then leave again 
So that like like a ninja, they just come along, push the scene forward, and run off again. Um, but actually, since then, I've I've um, I took a I took a course with Bill Merritt, and apparently, what he meant by robot ninja pirate was that we all have we all have a tendency to be impulsive, which is the pirate, and robotic, which is to think mechanically about the scene. Um, and part of the whole training process of doing workshops and stuff is using your pirate brain to really, really beat the muscle memory in there so that you can be impulsive in a productive way, a.k.a. ninja. Ah, so you had already achieved the greatest. But that's the thing. I would love to say that I have achieved the Bill Merritt ninja. However, <laughs> I, had, I had only, I had used, I had been ninja at that point according to Mike's interpretation, which was, I was overly concerned with plot, in fact. Right. There were some, sh- some shows I completely stuffed up because I was, I was so concerned with plot that I would walk in and be like, okay, this needs to finish. This is your resolution and end and scene. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a vital, that's an important role. Sometimes. <laughs> but also, like, when, since I saw on, on Facebook uh, earlier today, in fact, or maybe it was yesterday, you uh, mentioned Christian Capazzoli's um, book, Aerodynamics of Aerodynamics Yes. Of yes. The way that the way that um, Christian put it in a class I took with him was that um, if you work in a, in only one way in any and as an improviser, you're essentially a cylinder. You can go back and forwards. Yeah. But as improvisers, we need to be versatile. We need to be spherical so that we can move in any direction. And if you get used to any one thing, then you lose your versatility and it becomes it, you become more difficult. Yeah. Um, and just your scenes become more difficult. Um, and as a result, I think of being coached by Mike and just generally becoming more experienced improvisers, Ellie, Natasha, and I are much more much more spherical than we once were. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, Ellie's Ellie is. We're all a little bit more ninja in the sense that we've all we've all learned to balance our robot and our pirate um, a little bit, um, which is no bad thing. And uh, and yeah, it's it's a it's an absolute pleasure to work with them always. Uh, that we've just got that thing down. We're just. It's not even group mind. It's just appreciating when we can predict it, when we can read each other's minds, and when we are completely surprising each other. It's yeah. a it's a very fun relationship to have with the two of them. I don't know if I answered your question at all. Whether or not uh, right. what I bring to this to the group, I think I'm more just sort of more just sort of gushed about how much I love being part of Giggle Loop. Anyway, and that that's 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 fine. <laughs> my questions are merely to uh, inspire you to talk about improv so, okay. uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going wow that Ed he seemed very nice and personable but he didn't really answer any of the questions <laughs> I, I refuse to listen to any podcast that he's on he's going on a lot of tangents where's his <laughs> producer when he needs it <laughs> holy shit are you so you you um, we'll talk about your individual podcasts in a minute, but you have someone that edits your podcast. Well, yeah, the um, she also edited um, the Gigaloo podcast back when we were doing it. Um, yeah, Catherine Kerr, who's now uh, my business partner of sorts uh, at Podcast Adventures, which is our website where we produce various podcasts. Yeah, she um, she's a professional radio producer, and she just kind of thought that we had a fun chemistry, and and Gigaloo wanted some some sort of feather in our hat so that we could get. So that we could get more, more sh- more gigs, basically. Oh, right, yeah. Because we were, we were, you know, we were when we were a brand new group, you know, we were, we just couldn't really. It was we just were struggling to find regular gigs, and we wanted a gig so badly. Um, so we started the podcast just to sort of, um, just to sort of, a to keep seeing each other and to keep talking to each other and keep being part of each other's lives, and also to have that feather in our cap promotionally to be like, 
we're an improv group. Oh, if you, one thing that makes us maybe a bit different at the time, but not so much anymore, <laughs> we've got a podcast. Yes, if um, you don't have a podcast these days, then you really stand out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Having just being a pure improv group is uh, um, <laughs> is a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, but uh, Catherine started producing uh, stuff. Well, was she started producing the podcast with us, and uh, and yeah, so there would inevitably be stuff that she had to edit out because <laughs> the three of us uh, ramble with the best of them. And yeah, and continually now uh, we still she's she's part of podcast adventures with me. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so she edits basically. She edits every single episode of, of what we do, really, including wow. including the um, the sitcom we just did. So, yes. Yeah. Tell me about Dead Drunk Detective. Ah, oh, well, Dead Drunk Detective is is a huge, hugely fun uh, project. Basically, Brendan Way, uh, former guest on this podcast. Indeed, he is. I swear, you need to have a drinking game associated with this podcast, <laughs> where people drink whenever they mention previous episodes or previous guests. Uh, every time they mention Steve Rowe, yes. every time they mention Journeyman Mark Tyndall. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we haven't had a mention of Journeyman Mark Tyndall for a while, so I'm just going to mention him again. So yeah. those that are playing the drinking game can drink up. To, uh, I mean, I like to think they're drinking a fine whiskey, as <laughs> Mark would hope. I know Alfred is standing outside with a fine <laughs> cognac. Um, <laughs> um, I really wanted there to be more of those things, but I, I feel that we've kind of moved away from I don't know, maybe we haven't moved away and I just don't notice we're saying the same thing every week. <laughs> or you want more callbacks or more... Yeah, uh... maybe I'm just really unaware that I'm just saying the same things all the time. <laughs> and I think I've been originally tweet, that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, so it's just a sort of fun, organic chat, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, Brendan Way. Yes. So, um, Brendan got in touch with me after he'd seen... He'd seen Catherine and I uh, helping out with a live recording of another show. And he just kind of, he came up to us and he'd done a bit of podcasting uh, with the Flashnificence, which is a flash fiction group that he used to be a part of. Um, and we had done a course with Second City together, that's how we met, and we bonded over podcasts and podcasting. And, um, and yeah, we just remained friends, really. And, you know, he became part of Duck Duck Goose. We've had parentheticals on, and it was always a nice, nice guy to chat to, really. Yes. And... Um, and yeah, and then he, after seeing Catherine and I record a live podcast, he got in touch with us, basically saying, "I've, I've, you know, I've just written these scripts. You know, yeah. I've, I had this, had this idea. Where I wrote an entire series. He, he wrote seven episodes, um, but I have no idea what to do with them. Um, and you know, maybe you guys would. You guys have, you guys have seen. You guys have, you guys have, been, have recorded live podcasts. You might even be able to do this. And we hadn't done anything scripted before. We'd done sketch, please, which is." Um, as, which is something where uh, listener submissions send us sketches and we form a sketch show around it. So there's, there was that scripted element to it, but nothing longer than two minutes at a trot, according to the sketches. Um, so it was something that he kind of presented to us. And we had talked about the possibility of writing something, either ourselves or, or you know, possibly doing something similar. So when he sent us the script, we are like, oh, someone's, someone's written it. And... To our absolute delight, we read them and they were really good. Yes. Sketches were f- the not sketches. The scripts were fantastic, yes. um, and not just in terms of uh, just being funny. There were some really lovely narrative developments in each episode. Yes. Uh, the, the episode that's coming out this Monday, uh, I don't know when you're going to release this, um, but the the one coming out, um, the th- episode three was the first script I read, 
and it's still one of my favourite scripts just because the, uh, the the narrative progression of the of the lead character, our zombie private detective Johnny Stumbles, is really nice. And it's just been it's been a bit of a labour of love for the past few months just getting it all together and cutting our teeth at trying to find affordable, smallish performance venues that are soundproofed enough and technically able enough to record a live podcast in. Yes. Um, and that was that proved super challenging. Once we got that, we then had to cast, and we basically just cast all, a lot of improvisers that we really enjoyed working with. But that you could trust not to improvise. Yeah, exactly. People, <laughs> people I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if, if they did improvise, um, but um, kind of like uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is one of Brendan's key influences, if something goes wrong, improv away. Um, you know that's kind of uh, that's kind of what's fun about it. But but it was it's been a whole it's been a totally new avenue, and it's been really surprising just how bloody talented and generous people are. We had a friend of mine do some illustrations, and they were um, these amazing sort of Tim Burton esque sort of gothic skeletal zombie character drinking a bottle of scotch. It's like God, this is amazing. Um, speaking about my own podcast, it's amazing. Uh, no, no, no. But like, just basically, the amount of generosity shown by people like the venue that we're at, and the performers that are playing, and the and the stand-ups that are that are warming up the audience before we record an episode, everyone just doing everything for the love of it. Like, that's the what I love about improv is just it attracts people that just want to be creative and not let anyone stop us you know yeah. what I mean yeah. um, it's like I sometimes joke on Ed and Friends that like it's a it's a trend where I'm just continually speaking to people that aren't waiting for permission to do to follow their dreams yeah. and I feel like imp- I feel like improvisers are particularly in line to do that because we don't get paid for this stuff <laughs> we're doing it because we love doing it yes. and really it's that I guess that's why so many improvisers have been involved with Dead Drunk Detective and I think that's why Dead Drunk Detective has worked it's just because everyone's doing it because they're not getting the opportunity to do it anywhere else all the creative markets are really sort of flooded in the 21st century at first they were I guess in the 20th century they were probably kind of elitist where you had to go to film school if you wanted to learn how to use a camera these days you've got cameras in your everyone's got a, an HD camera in their pocket and you know anyone can make a movie these days um, but I don't know what I'm talking about now. I'm just rambling. That's good. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say that um, the uh, the the sound quality um, of Dead Drunk Detective is just amazing. Um, speaking of someone who struggles with sound quality, <laughs> but you know to have recorded that in front of a live studio audience, um, it's a real achievement. Ah, well, thank you. I'll, I'll pass that on to Catherine. Oh, she, she might well <laughs> hear it in the flesh. Uh, but the, um, yeah, no, it's something that um, Catherine is a big stickler for production value because she is a professional radio producer. Yeah. So she demands professionalism uh, and professional product. Um, and I, I'm not sure that we would do it unless we could do that. So we've got... The, the venue that we have is actually a rehearsal studio, so there's a little bit of reverb, but fortunately, with her being a professional radio producer, she knows exactly what we need to do in order to, in order to get the sound right. And, uh, and also, we have the pleasure of having some lovely microphones, uh, which we have invested in just because we've been doing so many podcasts, but also for her job, she, they're very useful for her work as a freelance radio producer. So um, between, the, between the two of us, we've, we've got some great microphones that just cup sound yeah. and um, yeah if we've soundproofed the stage when we perform and uh, and yeah basically it just 
having a professional radio producer on the job is just super. It does, just, does help. It does helps help. a shitload. <laughs> How many retakes did you have to do? How good were people? Because presumably you would if they were reading it, as you would in a, a radio. Yeah, the the actors had scripts in their hands. I'm just thinking. I don't think there were any retakes. Wow. There were a couple of points where, where someone was. When, when the adrenaline starts pumping and things going well, you're sort of quick on a line and maybe you stumble. But everyone was super good about just going back to the previous line and just starting again before the, before the joke got sort of spoiled or uh, um, before we gave away the, the joke of it. Um, but actually, there were, there were no retakes, basically. The, the show is on the, is on the podcast, as it was on wow. the night, amazingly. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and really, it's a testament to just... Everyone behaving like professionals as well, and no one, no one got paid for what they did. Everyone's done doing all this for love of it, but everyone is behaving like absolute professionals, and that's what's super good about it because you can't buy professionalism. You <laughs> really can't. Um, brilliant. So that's uh, great. So you also you mentioned Sketch Please, which is yes. How did Sketch Please come about? Sketch Please came about just because. Again, it goes back to this thing I found about. Um, about the film business at the time. When I was working in film, I mean, I, when I trained in film, I, I trained on a 16mm camera. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> um, and, but that was the thing. In order to learn how to use a camera like that, the stock itself was so expensive that you had to be, so you had to be, very, you had to be fairly well trained in order to be allowed to use it. So it was an, an elitist thing and there were no opportunities for people that weren't part of the elite. Um, in the 21st century, like, it's just that everyone has the opportunity now, so we're awash with, with potential opportunities. However, it feels like all those opportunities, the ones that people sort of go toward, are topical shows. If you're writing sketches, there's a lot... The writing sketches that, you, that the opportunities tend to come for do seem to be for more topical shows. And I, I would personally write into those topical shows. And I am not great with topical comedy for some reason. I think maybe I get a little bit sad about it. I've tried like reading through the papers and reading through the, the, like, the news and trying to find comedy. And it's like, oh, God, Putin's got his own secret police on the go. What are we, how am I going to make a joke out of this? <laughs> um, and, um, and so, yeah, so Sketch Please is really just a way of, of giving people a platform to learn, again, kind of like the Giggle Loop show. Experienced people can send in, but inexperienced people, everyone gets an equal, an equal chance. And really, it's just a platform for people to, to write and hear their work produced. And I really don't think that you improve as a writer until you get it off the page. Yes. Um, and that's essential to understanding whether or not your stuff works. Um, and I think that like, just by virtue, occasionally I've been, I've been known to submit a script to Sketch Please myself, and I think my writing has come on leaps and bounds just by hearing stuff that maybe is funny, maybe falls on its ass. But you don't know until you submit, really. And you don't know until you hear it off the ground. So really, it's just about getting an opportunity for people to write non-topical comedy and try out stuff, um, which is what All Podcast Adventures is, really. It's us trying out sitcoms and sketches and, and, uh, and also really love the opportunity for me to interview my friends about the interesting things they do. <laughs> yes. Uh, Edwin Friends. Well, you're, you're doing really well at like covering all my promotional bases right now. Uh, How come you've got such interesting friends? <laughs> well, no, I mean, first, first and foremost, it's not... There's, that we've, it's called Ed and Friends, but I'm worried we're putting too much emphasis on the friend element. Really, it's just... It's an excuse for me to talk to, to people about 
the incredible, the interesting stuff that they do, and not wait, and you know, stuff so, that I envy them for doing. So you're not friends with them. I'm not. I'm friends, Mark. Don't don't you twist me into a corner, Stuart. <laughs> I mean, I imagine by the time you've interviewed them, you've become friends. Yeah, I mean, there are some people. There are some people that I knew, I know better than others that appear on the show. Some people I've known all my life, like Alec Greenwell, who was our third interview. Um, he was one of the first people I wanted to get on the show just because he had the, did this incredible thing where he just disappeared off into the Arctic uh, and retraced his like great 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 uncle's footsteps through the Arctic um, and like had, was had fourteen sightings of polar bears wow. um, and that sort of stuff and so it, there was there was that thing where like sort of well someone needs to someone needs to tell these stories because even when you go and see your friends down at the pub it's often about like what's what's mutually What's the mutual ground between the two of us? So we don't necessarily brag about like, oh, I went off to the Arctic and it was fucking amazing. <laughs> but if you sit them down in front of a microphone and be like, tell me about the Arctic, yes. then like his family, because I know his family very well, his family got in touch, when, when I saw them that sort of Christmas or whatever, they came to me, said that they had heard the podcast and that Alec had opened up to me in that show in ways that he had never even opened up to them about the experience of going wow. through the Arctic. Um, and that's not me bragging. It was just the I, that's the effect that it has when you sit someone down in front of an in front of a microphone and say, "Tell me this, tell me your story, or tell me this story." And there are so many people out there that never really get their story told just because they because no one's put the microphone in front of them yet. Yeah. Um, so that's all that Ed and Friends is really. It's just sort of finding people that are in the niche within the niche that just deserve to have their story told. Another great example is, is Craig Lyons, who I met, who was in the same improv classes as, as the rest of Giggle Leap and I. Um, he is a, a film critic, but he, he has a specialization that's so, <laughs> so specific. It's, it's about, he loves uh, writing and um, writing and reviewing and, and tracking the progress and the history of ninja films of the late 70s, 80s, and 90s. <laughs> uh, and it's so, it's so weird and specific, but when you, when you listen to him speak about it, it's yeah. just fascinating. Anyway, it might become, Ed and Friends might become a wholly different podcast at some point, just talking about uh, the super niche elements of, of academia or interest or cultish sort of um, niche interest just because that's what's really interesting the whole friends thing is a fallacy it's really just about uh, niche interest no I love that I love that that specificity and even if I'm not necessarily interested in ninja films of that era um, you know I love the fact that there is somebody out there that is tracking this is you know investigating it and does know yeah so should I ever need to know I know who to turn to. That's often in your advice. And I understand what you're saying about when, um, you know, recording uh, conversations, especially since doing this podcast, um, I've actually wanted to record more conversations with people, but somehow that's seen as weird. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you obviously have to ask, you can't just go around recording people's conversations. But it's like, this is solid gold, this. I mean, it seems a shame to only enjoy this once. Yeah, I know, right? Why isn't this, why can't I have less? <laughs> 
epic bants put on the internet for everyone to enjoy. No, <laughs> no actually, funny enough, there was a really interesting episode of, I can't remember, it was This American Life or Radio Lab, but just about a man that became obsessed about recording people's conversations. And he had like a small nervous breakdown just recording everything, 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 Ooh, everything. Right, okay. uh, so yeah, let's not do that. You and I no. are in danger of going down that road. So we, should, we should not. Let's, let's not do that. Let's take a warning for our podcast <laughs> from another podcast. Yeah. Um, we're, we're going deep into the podcast inception here. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, big, exciting final question. Okay, hit me. Where would you like you to go in the world of improv, or where would you like the London scene to go? If you were in control, which obviously you are, <laughs> what, would, where, what would you like for you or the London scene to happen? Well, I think what I would love for the London scene is just for the London scene to to grow to the extent that it has in certain cities in America where you have dedicated improv theatres. I would love that because, and you know, we'll all probably make just as little money. <laughs> if you go to the UCB, if you perform at the UCB, you don't get paid. Everyone gets paid because they're all teachers. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's no difference there. It's just that the, it's going back to supply and demand. Uh, the demand is higher, yes. So the supply is higher, um, and it's things like you know I've spoken to, or rather, Faye Bran of Story Kitchen has said at several points. Like, well, she's she's longed for the days when she was doing um, theatre sports in Dubai, and they had their own dedicated theatre, and they could do all this amazing stuff. And we we love performing at the Miller. But the idea of having a dedicated theatre space for improv, yeah. like something like the Magnet Theatre when you've got doors and windows, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, the idea, of, the idea of having that is so enticing. I did a jam at the Cockpit Theatre while I was last in New York, and just having, just, just having a door in the background. I just wanted to do a scene just coming through that door and be like, honey, I'm home, just because it was there. But like, I would love for the London scene to grow to the point where it's that it grows to that extent where we've got our own schools of improv. We, we, we'll get there. We're getting there. We'll get there. But I'm looking forward to the day where London can, can do that in the same way that like New York or Chicago or LA can do that. Um, and I think that what I would want for myself is really just to be a part of it. I just love... Improv has literally changed my life. I was a fairly down and out guy in the film industry and then I decided to take a change for things a big part of which was discovering improv and it changed the, the entire course of, of, of what I wanted out of things so I just want to be part of it and I want to start new things I want to continue old things I want to introduce new people I want to I want to help people and lift people up I want to you know I want to I just want I want improv to be in the same echelon as the way stand-up is, where we're appealing on, we're appearing on panel shows, and I just want to be a part of that picture. I don't necessarily even care what my part is in that bigger picture, as long as, as long as I'm a part of something cool that's growing and and is something positive. That's the thing about the film used to bug me is just like the higher and higher up the ladder you got, the more miserable people became, and the more backstabby and bastardy they got um, but it seems like I mean who knows maybe I'm you know maybe the higher I get in who knows maybe it's the same way I'm still new at this shit. but um, but I just uh, yeah that's all I want out of improv I want more bigger better things for all of my friends and uh, colleagues 
Brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Excuse me while I throw myself off the back of the chair and excite yeah! my chair. <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant, what a brilliant top and tail bookend that is. Oh. I do love a callback. I made this. Back's improv! <laughs> <laughs>